Welcome to the Bethany Community Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message is titled, Intimacy, and it is part of the Open to the Spirit Sermon Series. This ministry is intended to inspire you and help bring solutions to the challenges of life. For more information about other ministries here at Bethany Community Church, you can check us out at our website at bccma.org, or you can always send us an email at office at bccma.org. And now, here's Pastor Phil McCutcheon. Okay, let's get in the Word today, and uh, we're going to go to John 16, and, and, and you can leave your finger there, and then we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. I'm going to talk about being open to the intimacy, being open to the intimacy of the Spirit. Um, uh, open to the Spirit's intimacy, to be precise in my title. Uh, let, let me just read, the, read these passages to you, and then we'll, we'll, I want to get into uh, the, an illustration of this. John chapter 16, verse 14, he will bring glory to me, talking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus is talking, taking from what is mine and make it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I spirit, said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. That speaks to me of intimacy, sharing what I know, sharing my life with yours, you sharing your life with mine. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The word fellowship means sharing, participation. It's another word, it means communion. It's a word, another word for intimacy. By the way, before I move any further, I meant to say this earlier, last week I made a mistake and I want to correct it. A couple of people came to me and pointed it out to me, so I want to correct it. I looked down at my text last week and there, there's a part of the text I hadn't re- done any research on or anything. Uh, it just came to me as I was reading it. I saw the words Judas there and I made a point that this was the Judas that had betrayed Jesus. And I, f- I realized later, somebody pointed out to me, that was not the Judas that betrayed Jesus. It was Judas who was not Iscariot. Now, I'm sure that some of you, some people didn't come back this week because of that. And uh, so I can't help that. But uh, those of you who, who came back in spite of the false doctrine, uh, uh, I apologize. And I want you to know that I'm, I am aware of that now. Intimacy Holy Spirit, you know... Um, uh, I, quite recently, I had a day, and I, I've had a few of these days, when, um, as many of you know, I had, uh, uh, had cancer uh, a little over three years ago, had a, a prostatectomy in uh, December of 2015, and every, every once in a while, my body gets angry at me for doing that, <laughs> and, and reminds me that you, I don't like that you did that <laughs> to me. And I say, well, I'm alive because I did it, okay? But uh, we're still here. <laughs> and uh, this particular day, uh, I was actually w- researching for this, th- this series. And uh, I was watching a sermon by John Bevere on, on the Holy Spirit. And he talked about praying in the Spirit. And, and it, as I was having this bad day, I decided, you know, I'm going to stop studying and I'm going to go, this will be a new term for some of you, I'm going to go pray in the Spirit, because that's what John Bevere was talking about, praying in the Spirit. And uh, I made a, 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 a commitment, I'm going to pray in the Spirit, I'm going to pray in the Spirit for at least an hour. 
And praying in the Spirit means, according to Scripture, it means two things. It means praying in a language you don't understand. You, you don't have to worry about how the words sound. You, you even understand the words. Just whatever comes, you just, you know. Uh, uh, the Bible says when we pray in the Spirit, we pray unto God and not to men. That's when we don't. That's why we don't stand up and do it in the service on Sunday morning because we're praying unto God. It's not, it's not for other people. It's for God. So I, I, want the, I, want to, I want the Spirit to pray for me when I am so stressed out or so ignorant that I don't know how to pray. And another way of praying in the Spirit is uh, the Bible calls it in Romans 8, unutterable groans. So it's not words at all. It's just deep, deep groans or that you, 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 they're unutterable, so you may not be even uttering them, but, but you're entering to, it's kind of entering into, you know how uh, on some, some vehicles have a, have a uh, overdrive. It's kind of putting into overdrive. It's kind of going or, or maybe in a lower gear to pull a heavy load, and you're admitting, God, I can't do this. I can't, I can't handle what's happening to me right now. I need, the, I need your Holy Spirit. And, you know, I begin to do that. I begin to pray a deep prayer. I mean, nobody was around. I was, I was the office downtown, and nobody was in the building. I was all by myself. I mean, I sounded like a crazy person. You would not have won. It wasn't pretty. You know, I was, I was desperate. I had to, God, you got to help me. You got to help me. And, you know, first of all, within about 40 minutes, my physical symptoms got better. My body began to feel better. And also, another amazing thing happened is I began to have this clarity. I had a medical appointment the next day of what I needed to say to the medical personnel. And, and, and man, it's just like my, everything got way better, and I began to feel better and function better from that day till this. Uh, now, you know, it falls under the category of TMI. But I have a friend named the Holy Spirit that there's no such thing as TMI with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And some of us don't even know there is a Holy Spirit. We're living this life. We're trying to live it all in our own energy, in our own strategies, in our own way. And we don't know there's an intimacy with the Spirit that is so transformational. That's what I want to talk about. First of all, let me tell you what it's all about. The intimacy of the Spirit is a result of God's intense desire for you. This intimacy is not your idea. It's not your initiative. Humans didn't initiate this deeper connection with God when Jesus left the earth. God initiated this deeper communion with humanity. James 4.4, 4, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? We're not going to talk about that passage at all. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God, or do you think Scripture says without reason that, that here's the part I want you to hear. There's a lot of things to unpack in all those other words, right? Kind of slapping us around a little bit. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? Envies intensely. That sounds like the language of a lover. That sounds like the, like the language of a lover who wants you exclusively for themselves. That the spirit that God put inside of us 
at salvation, envies intensely. The Spirit's intense envy over us indicates how much God really enjoys and, and wants to engage with us. Amen? That is excellent. Thank you. My, I got a friend who, who loves to paint, and he does, he does a beautiful job. But he was sharing with me, sharing with me and a couple of other pastors of the day that he feels guilty. Every time he goes to paint, even though he's done, had many years of fruitful ministry, a lot of people in his shoes are just comfortable not to be productive. He's miserable not being productive. He feels like if he goes, paint, he goes and paints, he feels like I should be doing some, I should be working. I should be having a Bible study, leading a Bible study somewhere. I should be, I should be ministering to other pastors. I should be writing a blog. Uh, I, I, should be, I should be planning something. And, you know, uh, us other guys, we don't have that problem that this pastor has, but he, he has a problem. And I begin to, we begin to pray for each other. And when I prayed for him, this came out of my mouth. I didn't even think about it. I said, oh, God, show, and I called him by name, oh, God, show him how much you enjoy him. You enjoy him. I, I, wanted to, I felt like God was saying, I enjoy you when you paint. I like you. I enjoy you. See, the mythical gods of the Babylonians, the Greeks and the Romans, had no interest in knowing or spending time with humans. You ever notice that? The, the mythical gods of Babylonians, Greeks, and uh, Romans had no interest in human beings. And quite a contrast to the community created by the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. You know, if you look at the cultures that were shaped by the Babylonian and Greek and Roman mythical gods, you look at the cultures that were shaped by that, they were very abusive to human beings. Very abusive to human beings. Women and children were usually property in those, those societies. Slaves were worse than property in those societies. People were extremely uh, uh, abusive to one another. They would, you know, they would often offer their little babies as human sacrifices and, and, and uh, women and children were used as prostitutes or however they wanted to use them. That's what happened when people, when people had a God that shaped their culture that had no interest and felt detached from human beings. Contrast that to the book of Acts and the Bible says in the book of Acts that they begin to share everything with each other. They begin to share their houses with each other, their food with each other, their clothes with each other. They begin to share their friendship with one another. And the Bible says there was not a needy person among them. And they really got upset when the women, some of the, some of the Hebrew widows, were neglected in the daily serving. They said, stop everything. We have widows. We have, we have ladies in our congregation that have no means of support, and they're, they're hungry. we got to stop everything. They, they were the only society in Eastern culture that would have even thought of that because the God that they, they served was, a, was not a detached God, but he was an attached God. He was a God who was intimate with the people, with human beings. Genesis 3.8, you can't read Genesis 3.8 and hear the voice of God. The Bible says we, they heard, Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You can't read that verse or hear that verse without feeling God's desire for intimacy with us. That he created Adam and Eve so he could walk with them in the garden in the cool of the day. 
And it was when they became broken that they, didn't, they no longer wanted to be intimate with God. What if, you, um, what if you had an elaborate wedding ceremony? You were the bride or the groom, and you had an elaborate wedding ceremony. Wonderful, expensive, lavish reception. And at the end of it, your new spouse came up to you, gave you a little tap on the cheek, and says, I'll call you this week. I, maybe we can go out again next Friday night. <laughs> You'd be that, wait, wait a minute, I, I thought we were going to have intimacy. I thought we were going to uh, have coffee together every morning for the next 60 years. <laughs> I, I thought we were going to get old together. I thought we were going to share all, I thought for the next 60 or 70, 50 or 60 or 70 years, uh, I would basically know where you are every minute of the day and would re- you would report to me where you were every minute of the day. <laughs> the, the, that's what I was planning on, you know? And that's what some of us do with God. We, 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 whatever, however a church introduces us to the idea of confirmation or getting saved, whatever we want to call it, we sign the card or we say, yes, I want to be saved, and then we walk away, you know, if you, if you drive to work, you know, if you, if you have a 40, let's say you have a 45 minute commute to work, uh, do you drive in silence? I mean, doesn't God talk to you in that 45 minutes? Doesn't the Holy Spirit speak to you? Do you speak to the Holy Spirit? What, what if I rode with you? What if, what if I ride with you to work tomorrow? You work in Boston, and I ride with you, and... The entire trip, I say nothing. I, I don't, you, you ask a question, I don't answer it. It's silent. Then at the end of your work day, I ride back home with you, I don't say anything to you. And you don't, you know, there's no conversation. I mean, I can imagine when you go home for dinner with your family, you, can, you know the pastor's really weird. He seemed normal up in the pulpit. He's, he's joking around up there, and he he's, 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 seems nice, but you get along with him. He, is not, he, he didn't say a word all day. Well, what about your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you, do you go all day and not have a conversation with God? Do you, do you go all day and not have God, not feel that the Holy Spirit's asking you questions and giving you directions and telling you how God feels about things and you're telling him you, how he feels about things? Isn't that, we've, we've, some of us have lost what the normal Christian life is. We've lost the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is intimacy? Intimacy is not one single interaction. I want to say this to you and I want, I want you to see it in, in print. It is when love moves us to the deepest possible level of sharing our presence, thoughts, desires, and needs with another person. That's intimacy. Don't you get it? God is obsessed with us. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. You may read passages in the Bible about God looking at you and having your eyes on you, and you may think those passages are in the Bible because God is wanting to see if you do something wrong and he wants to catch you doing something bad. But no, that's not why those passages about God seeing you are in the Bible. And there's several. God 
Thou God seest thee. They're all over the Bible. Scriptures like that that talk about God. Those passages are not in the Bible because God wants to catch you doing something wrong. Those passages are there is because God can't take his eyes off you because he's so in love with you. You know, you know, we love babies around here, and I talk a lot about babies as sermon illustrations because they're just so great. And you, you know how it is if you have a baby. You just, you'll just go over to your kid's house to watch the grandbaby do stuff. <laughs> Don't you, Jim? You just go, <laughs> that, that's an evening out, <laughs> just to watch the grandkid be a baby. You know, spit up and throw up and, and giggle, whatever they do, you walk in the early days, you, you, you just love it. It's just something about it. Well, God, God's just like that. We're creating the image of God. We're creating the image of God. We, we, the first words out of the model prayer is, Our Father, which art in heaven, God just loves watching us spit up and throw up and and be, be crazy and fall down and get up. He just loves watching us. He's really in love with us. I know there's the discipline of the Lord. We could preach about that. That's true. There's a, and a good parent disciplines their children. But the love never changes. Secondly, the intimacy of the Spirit is the primary reason Christ sent the Spirit. The, the intimacy of the Spirit is the primary reason Christ sent the Spirit. John 16, 7 says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Now, why did Jesus say it was good that I go away? And, and why does he say it was good that I sent the Holy Spirit in my place? In fact, that uh, he really meant it was better. One translation says expedient. It was expedient. The, the only answer can be greater intimacy with God. You say, well, I, I thought it was the Holy Spirit, not God. Well, God is a trinity. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's very important to understand this, that, that God is a trinity, that, that God is the three in one. So when you are talking to the Holy Spirit, you're just as much talking to God as if you're talking to Jesus. And if you're talking to the Father, it's, it's like water is a trinity. Water is a trinity. Water is liquid. Water is ice and water is steam. It's different, but they play different roles. Uh, water quenches your thirst and washes your body. Uh, ice cools your drink or will cause injury, the swelling to go down in an injury, it, that plays a different role. Or, or steam will power an engine. They play a different role, but they're the same. it's the same. And so Jesus said, my role has been to bring salvation. My role has been to bring salvation to humankind. My role is to bring the, uh, the representation of the Father to the world. So the world can now see the representation of the Father by seeing me. My role was to be the bread of life to you. But I cannot bring intimacy with God. That's not my role. Jesus was saying, that's not my role to bring intimacy with, with you. Because Jesus 
in the flesh, the Jesus in the flesh, was not omnipresent. When he was pulling uh, Peter, James, and John, the three, the three that he was closest to, when he was taking them aside to have some really personal time with them and maybe tell them things he couldn't tell everybody else, nobody else could hear from Jesus. The other 120 disciples couldn't hear from Jesus when Jesus had taken a weekend retreat with James and John and, 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 and the other disciple. He couldn't, he couldn't do that when he, when he took the three that he was, was closest to. The other 20 uh, couldn't hear from God. When Jesus was, was preaching to the multitudes, then the, the 11 disciples who were closest to him, they couldn't have a conversation and they wanted to ask a question, but Jesus was talking to, to thousands of people. When, 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 when Jesus was, was, was talking to the multitudes, he couldn't talk to the few. He was limited by, uh, because he couldn't talk to everybody at the same time. He couldn't, he couldn't communicate when he's spending the day, uh, as he did with many times. But on one occasion, he spent an entire, uh, seems like an entire day, it was in several hours with a woman by a well, and he ministered to her. When he's talking to her, he couldn't be talking to the multitude. He couldn't be talking to his disciples. He was limited by time and space, just like you are. He had to go away so every one of you could hear from God at the same time. Every one of you could hear from God. Every one of you could hear the voice of God. Every one of you could hear him. In fact, he, he, he uses a, a, a word here, the, the word uh, counselor or comforter or advocate, depending on what translation you read this, is uh, the Greek word, the Greek word, uh, uh, before that, for the word another, he said, I'm going to send you another counselor, another comforter, another advocate. Parakletos is the, the, word, the Greek word that's used there, which means one who comes along beside to help. That's really true what it means, one who comes along beside to help, one who comes alongside to advise and lead and guide and, and to be that intimate friend. But the, the word another is a very interesting word there because it, it, is, the, it is the Greek word alos. And he could have used the word heteros instead of alos. Heteros means another, but that another could be completely different than the one that was replaced. It would be like uh, this guitar here is a Taylor guitar. And if I said to Jason, I'm going to take that guitar, but I'm going to give you another one. Uh, that's a very nice guitar. I don't know it's what it, remember what it costs, but it costs a lot. That's a very expensive guitar. I might give him some some terrible little piece of crap to replace it, right? And, you know, like a, a $100 guitar. So I gave, I, well, he's all, he would be all upset, of course. And, well, I gave you another one. You know, I, I'm using the word heteros. I gave you a heteros. I gave you another one. Well, Jesus didn't use the word heteros. He used the word alos. And the word alos means another one. If I, if I use the word alos, that means I'm going to take that guitar, but I'm going to give you another one exactly like that one. It's going to be the same brand. It's going to be the same quality. It's going to be the same cost. It's going to look, it's going to look identical down to, down to even that little scratch that's right there. It's going to have that little scratch, and it's going to be identical because I'm going to, I'm going to send you someone who's exactly like me. And he's going to live in every side of every one of you. And he's going to talk to every one of you. And every one of you in this room are going to have a personal relationship with one who's exactly like Jesus. Yeah. I, 
this is why Simon Peter, remember Simon Peter? Simon Peter, when he was with Jesus, he was fearless. He was Rambo when he was with Jesus. When he wasn't with Jesus, he was Mr. Bean. The Roman army comes to arrest Jesus. Jesus is there. He pulls out his sword and goes after him. And Jesus had to say, put your sword away, because he was willing to fight the whole Roman army when he was with Jesus. When it was when Jesus was there, he was bold. He would stand up and say, you know, he would rebuke Jesus. He was, he was just full of vim, vigor, and vitality when he was around Christ. But when Christ was gone, he didn't even have the courage to admit that he knew Jesus. He denied Jesus. He had no courage when he wasn't with Jesus. His courage depended on Jesus. So what was Simon Peter going to do? He was kind of stuck being a loser the rest of his life if somebody didn't help him out. But we see something happen on an event that many of you know about. Some of you don't. You haven't read the Bible. That's okay. That's why you're here. Uh, But if you read your Bible and you read the book of Acts, which I would recommend you do this month if you read the book of Acts, and you get to Acts chapter 2, there's this event called the Day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit arrived in full force, in full power, full availability to the church. And the 120 disciples in an upper room received the Holy Spirit. And they were in that upper room and they weren't anxious to leave because these were scary times. These were frightening times. The Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities had just combined together to crucify their Lord and Savior. And those guys were identified with Jesus and they knew they might die too if they stuck their head out of that room but the Holy Spirit came and the Bible tells us that it appeared unto them and cloven tongues as a fire set up on each of them they begin to speak the praises of God and people begin to gather as they 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 begin to disperse out of that room out onto what they call Solomon's portico which is like a balcony and they got out on that balcony and who stepped up and began to preach boldly acting like he was with Jesus Simon Peter went from Mr. Bean back to Rambo because he was now with Jesus. The alos parkletos had shown up and filled him. And so that he, he, he felt just as bold and just as much courage. And he lived the rest of his life that way until Nero had him crucified. And he so loved Jesus that he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up like Jesus. Crucify me upside down. So Simon Peter was crucified upside down because something got a hold of him. Something made him feel that he was with Jesus till the day he died. And it was the Holy Spirit that's available to every one of us just as much as it was for them. The intimate role of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament church is absolutely unavoidable. The early, the early believers accomplished nothing without the Spirit. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to give you, if you're looking on the app, you're going to see these verses, but they're not going to all go up on the screen. But the central role of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the first century church, I just did a quick blitz as I was studying this week. Romans 8, 20, I mean Acts 8, 29, then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and join yourself to that chariot. Acts 10, 19, while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Acts eleven twelve, the Spirit told me, have no hesitation without, about going with them. 
Acts 16.6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Persia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit would not allow them. Acts 13.10, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Acts 13, 4, two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Acts 16, 6, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Persia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. I think I gave that to you already, and so you get it twice. Acts, uh, uh, Acts 20, 23, the Holy Spirit warns me in every city that prison and hardships are facing me. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, prophecy resulted when the Holy Spirit prompted men and women to speak God's word. What would these poor people have done without the Holy Spirit? They couldn't have had church. I said they couldn't have had church if they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, today, we figured out how to do it without the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, we've, we've figured out how to grow a church without the Holy Spirit. But is, is it really working? Is it really working? Are we really, are we really entering into what we're supposed to be entering into? Are we really as joyful as we're supposed to be? Are we really as powerful as we're supposed to be? Are we really as, 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 as full of answered prayer as we're supposed to be? Are people's lives being transformed the way we would really like? Maybe we ought to reconsider. Amen? Finally, the intimacy of the Spirit will make Christ alive in your life. Now, don't be overwhelmed, because you can get overwhelmed with this kind of sermon. You go, oh, I don't know how we're going to ever do this. No, don't be overwhelmed. I'm going to give you something at the end. It's going to be a simple key to moving forward. The intimacy of the Spirit will make Christ live in your life. You can have salvation. Now, this is important, I think, for you to know. You can have salvation without intimacy. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. You can be, when, and this is something, I know it's a kind of a doctrinal fine point, and I'm not interested in doctrinal fine points because I don't like to argue about doctrine. But if you want to get a doctrinal fine point, when you receive Christ as your Savior, and you come into the family of God, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Bible says no man comes to the Father except the Spirit draws him. So you, the Holy Spirit, enters into your life and brings Christ to you. The Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. You can be, you are sealed. It's like, it's like if I had an envelope up here right now, and I put a letter in it, and I sealed it, and I put a stamp on it. It's going to go... If I address it properly, unless something goes wrong in the postal service, it's going to go where I intended for it to go. Well, that, that's what happens when you get saved. The Holy Spirit seals you. And he puts a stamp on you and puts an address, eternal life. Heaven, you're on your way. You're sealed, but you're not filled. You're sealed, but you're not filled. Now, I can prove that to you. Ephesians 4 is all about the healthy practices of a saved life. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, he says. And you read, read, read Ephesians 4. Always put scripture in context. Don't take one scripture out and 
all by itself. Scripture out of context is a pretext. Put it in context, okay? It's all about healthy growth as a saved person. But if you keep reading in Ephesians 5, he talks about making the most of opportunity, and he uses this phrase, understanding the will of God. And listen to what he says. Here's how you understand the will of God. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't get drunk, he's a, and don't get high on weed either. <laughs> he, he, they didn't have a problem with weed, but I, we do today. A lot, of, a lot of people are going, oh, it's legal now. We, we Christians can do it now. It's legal. <laughs> Give me a break. Don't get high on weed. Don't get drunk with the wine. But be filled with the Spirit. Not sealed, but filled. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns. The people will think you're high when <laughs> you start singing. <laughs> Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes, baptizes you into Jesus. You're sealed. The Holy Spirit takes you. I mean, I mean I'm sorry. Jesus. Now you're Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Jesus will drag you. And baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's how it's supposed to work. You get sealed, and then you run over here, and you get filled. And then you begin to sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. You start being a happy Christian. <laughs> instead, of, instead of one of those Christians that look like they've been, uh, you know, raised in a pickle factory and baptized in lemon juice. You know, you stop being one of those. <laughs> So when we ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us, we don't become more saved, we become more engaged. Jesus said, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit, so once we are born again, we're alive to God, but an intimate relationship with the Spirit makes, us, makes God alive to us. Now, you didn't get that. You, you, would have, you would have said amen or something. When you're born of the Spirit, you become alive to God. Someday when you stand before God, he's going to say to some people, I, I don't like this and I don't think, like to think about it. The Bible says he's going to say to some people, I never knew you. So salvation is about identity. He knows you now. You're his child. Being born again makes, makes, makes the reality that God knows you. Being filled with the Spirit makes the reality that now you know God. That's a little better. Let me give you three quick bullet points. When we open up to the intimacy of the Spirit, our relationship with God becomes more emotional. Just, you just can't help it. I, I, you say, I don't want to act like one of those crazy people. Well, like I said last week, if you're a crazy person, you're going to be crazy with the Spirit or without the Spirit. You know, if, if you're weird, you're going to be weird without the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. So, just don't worry about, and, and, I, and some of you are really concerned about this, so I need to, I'm, I'm being goofy, but let me be serious. Holy Spirit's not going to make you just do crazy things that you just out of control and embarrass you. The Bible says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You're not going to be out of control, going dancing all over the church. I don't know, I didn't want to do that, but the Holy Spirit, you know, just, just <laughs> made me. No, it's not going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be... You may not even look all that different, but you're going to have times, like, like I did the other night at the office, just 
intensely wonderful, rich, emotional experiences with God. I mean, why would you not want this? Why would you not want it? Why would you? I mean, I've never heard anybody go, you know, my, my, my husband or my wife, they're so wonderful. They're so unemotional. They're emotionless. <laughs> they never laugh. They, they never get excited about me. They're just dead. It's wonderful. <laughs> Secondly, when we open up to the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God becomes more informed and more directed. I don't have time to talk about that, but there's a lot there. Thirdly, when we open up to the intimacy of the Holy Spirit, our relationship with God becomes more supernatural. Now, we, we simply should find a lack of presence and feeling and direction. We simply should find these things intolerable. In the Old Testament, it seems apparent that the Holy Spirit would rest on certain people for certain tasks, and then he would go away. Moses was one of those people. And when God told Moses one time, because the people of Israel were so stubborn and recalcitrant that he wasn't going to go with them, uh, Moses said, then I don't want to go if we can't have your presence. That's the way I feel today. Lord, I don't want to go any further. I don't want to get any further as a church if we can't feel your presence. Hear your voice. Have you directing us. I don't want to do it anymore, God. So, let me close. How do you do this? Well, receiving the Holy Spirit is about improving your manners. Yeah, you can do that, right? That didn't sound too hard. Receiving the Holy Spirit is about improving it. Think of the early disciples who stood outside Jerusalem and heard Jesus say, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. Now, these people had spent their entire lives as, as acting if the Holy Spirit didn't exist. So you know what good manners are? Good manners are when another person acts as if you exist and acts as if you matter. That's even, even a simple thing like opening a door for you. Even a simple thing like opening a door lets me know I'm aware of you. I know you were coming. I'm aware of your presence. So I'm going to give you this one simple assignment today. As we, we're going to pray in a minute and we're going to release you to go. And we know we have a lot going on this afternoon. So we want you to go to the lounge. We want you to get across the street, across the parking lot and help us dedicate the uh, apparel store and some are going to uh, you know we, we want you to participate in all those things out there so we're going to leave you time to do that but I want you to leave here now hear me hear me for the next few minutes next couple minutes I want you to begin to act as if the Holy Spirit exists I want you to begin to be more courteous when you get in your car in the morning to drive to work say Holy Spirit you should put your seatbelt on. You're going to ride with me to work today. I'm going to treat you like you exist. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to talk to God, but when I talk to God, I realize it's the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to welcome you into my life. When I go home today, I'm going to welcome you into my life. When I, when I do things, I'm going to welcome, I'm going to, I'm going to okay, Holy Spirit, you have anything to say about what I just did? Or what I'm about to do? No, Holy Spirit, no, you don't do that. 
Don't say that. You become aware of his presence and you begin to be courteous. When the Holy Spirit, when the 120 went and for 10 days they acted like the Holy Spirit existed, the Holy Spirit showed up. They were courteous. They went and they waited. How many of you married men know what it is to wait? You're being courteous. You're waiting on them to get ready. You're waiting on them to, right? Because you're nice men. And you're gentlemen. Well, become a gentleman to the Holy Spirit. Say, I'm going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And I believe he's going to show up. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, bless your people. Oh, you love them so much. May that love become a reality to them. And may every one of them begin to welcome the Holy Spirit and become aware of his presence. Bless this day. We just praise you for it. And go Patriots. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.